0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast, brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com.
1: Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, and welcome back to the OTI podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, bringing you the show as always. And man, are we ready to preview all things Pro Bowl on today's show? Oh, wait. Um, No, we're not going to be previewing that in immense detail on today's show. Well, not that I think of. Anyway, we're going to be doing the OTI End of Season award show, and I'm going to be joined on the show by Patrick Doherty of Rotoworld and NBC Sports. Um, I'm going to be talking to him about, oh, looking back at the season, what happened? Who's our uh, MVP? And we have a lot of other categories in there. Who is the pass catcher of the year? Who is the rookie of the year offensively and defensively you're about to find out who we picked in just a little moment as always starting the show get the plugs in get uh, the shameless promotion out of the way you can listen to us on itunes stitcher tune in all those good ways i know you're already listening so you probably already know that but if you are a new listener please do go to whichever one of those you listen to us on hit that subscribe button and uh, keep coming back we're uh, doing two shows a week during the season as i've mentioned a lot of times on the show probably cut it back to one show during the off season but we'll be getting good guests on having more in-depth interviews about some players careers uh, you know having players on talk about their experiences hoping to be joined by a former super bowl winner next week on one of the podcasts so things like that and we'll be having more time to just talk about their careers and their experiences uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun in the off-season going through those guests and any guest suggestions you have you'd like to hear on the show always get in touch with us at Overtime Ireland on Twitter if you want to send us an email it's Overtime at gmail.com and the website as well is Overtime com I do like to always thank you for your great support, uh, supporting the podcast and the site over the last couple of years, over the last couple of seasons. And uh, it has been immense this season. I really do appreciate all that you've done to help support the show, spreading it on social media and so on. And next week for the Super Bowl, we'll be running a competition along with Football America UK. We'll have a ball to give away. We'll also be giving away a £70 voucher courtesy of Football America to use at their store. So um, that there, I'm looking forward to giving something back to the listeners and thank you to them for their continued support as well running competitions with us they usually run our super bowl competition with us and this year will be no exception so thanks again to them so with all that shameless promotion plugging out of the way let's get straight into the nfl talk and let's get pat on the show
0: hi i'm matt williamson and you are listening to the overtime ireland podcast
1: now, for the first time, and I'm absolutely delighted to have him aboard the show. It is Pat Doherty off uh, World and we've had lots of great guests on over this past, uh, let's say, 12 weeks maybe, the first few weeks of the season because of my move over here to Australia. We had uh, no guests, but that was out of the norm but the last couple of weeks sensational guests and another one here today today's show rather than just be a regular talk about sports or talk about the nfl rather uh, we're going to do an award show because we all know patrick i know that you're coming on here and you really want to talk about the pro bowl but i don't know if i can <laughs> let you do that today
0: I, I actually I have a five thousand word essay prepared about Teddy Bridgewater's <laughs> Pro Bowl selections. So
1: yeah, that'd be great with me. Yeah. So from this point forward, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to let Pat uh, talk about Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> but uh, well,
0: I actually and I actually was invited to the Pro Bowl, but I had uh, other plans. I have to watch down to the. <laughs> uh
1: sunday night so i couldn't go yeah well that fits uh, into what i have a note written here and uh, there's been over 125 players uh elected to this year's pro bowl due to people obviously not turn, wanting to turn up and step on so we have uh, this year is going to be the record for the most pro bowlers so far there's over 125 players who have been elected to the pro bowl so shows what uh, the players are thinking of at this time of the year it is an honor to be elected but it doesn't seem to be an honour to play in it. It's an honour
0: to be elected. It's not like they're making them, you know, go to some outpost. They're trying yeah, to send Hawaii. them to Hawaii, but uh, you think that would uh, be enough of a draw, but apparently not.
1: It was interesting a few years ago, too. Remember when it was in... Uh Arizona they had the the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl in Arizona back to back but uh, that experiment obviously didn't help the players go and now they've come back to Hawaii they did it in Miami
0: one time too and yeah I think that yeah that just failed spectacularly so they they need to keep the Hawaiian without the Hawaiian carrot there there probably would have been like 300 players named in the Pro Bowl this year
1: yeah <laughs> it is, uh, you know, the Pro Bowl. Still, like going back the years, the Pro Bowl was such an achievement to get to. It's still a great achievement. You're one of the best players in the league, but it just doesn't have that same effect. And you know, we have a lot of questions always coming on Twitter. uh oh, why do we play the Pro Bowl? There's no point in it. But at the same time, you still do get elected to it. Uh, the first round of players, and then as well, there is a lot of good that comes out of it with you know money towards charities and so on. So I still think it's a worthwhile effort. But uh, the effort isn't always there from the players. Maybe a few too many mai tais been enjoyed uh, the week <laughs> the week <off> the event. <laughs> (laughs) but uh, another story that just before we get into the awards section of it we're going to talk about is a Patriots fan who uh, apparently doesn't regret getting his Super Bowl 50 tattoo he got a tattoo of uh, the Patriots (laughs) and the Super Bowl 50 logo and the Vince Lombardi trophy on it obviously there was four previous obviously didn't want to get one of them tattooed on himself to remind him of when they (laughs) won it but uh, let's go for uh, when we didn't win it and um, he says he doesn't regret it though do you think this guy should feel like an idiot?
0: Well, I, I don't know. The man he set a date with destiny, and destiny did not arrive. But uh, I, I don't
1: think I've ever seen one of these cases where somebody got a tattoo and the team actually won the sport. The I basketball.
0: know. Yeah, or they didn't like. Uh, or they always claim too. They never regret it, even yeah. if they get like a tattoo
1: on their forehead,
0: their entire face saying like, Patriots, 2015 Super Bowl champions. Yeah. You know, they're like I felt right in the moment and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna regret it now yeah I have no regrets about the my face being unrecognizable now because of this unfortunate <laughs>
1: tattoo but. and the last one to wrap up before we get into the wards and um, I'm sure you've heard the story making the rounds though well, it's been the last couple of weeks there's been petitions for everything going on and they're getting out of hand at the stage but Carolina Panthers have a fan that has set up a petition and he is uh, petitioning to not allow Cam Newton to ever return to CenturyLink field so he <laughs> uh, he had a good game there this year and he's uh, done very well for himself this season and uh, apparently, because he is disrespectful and tore down uh, a Seattle Seahawks banner uh, in that their playoff game, that he should not, not be allowed back uh, ever again to uh, CenturyLink. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, you see, America, you know, we got 320 million people. And as yeah. you see, we've got a lot of really big problems, <laughs> one of which one of which is Cam Newton tearing down this right. banner. It's ripping the country apart. And I'm pretty sure uh, soon Donald Trump will weigh in on it and want to deport Cam Newton and... uh and we're all very torn up about it over here. Yeah, that, so.
1: that is future president of the United States, Donald <laughs> Trump. No, yes. But uh, <laughs> the funnier thing that I actually seen coming out of that after was that. Um there's actually a petition from a Seahawks fan to petition against Seahawks fans from making <laughs> petitions. So uh, I did see that,
0: Yeah, th- I think going, it was a radio host. Yeah,
1: things going good up there in Seattle, but let's get into uh, what we came here to do, the award section. The NFL season, obviously, in the books, and we had the playoffs, so we're going to try and do this from a, a non-playoff perspective. There is some awards that I've selected in it as well, and we will say that they are including the playoffs, and they'll be very obvious, but uh, starting off first rookie of the Year nice little cropper rookies this year Todd Gurley was coming in with a lot of hype and expectation Jameis Winston number one overall pick then we had Amari Cooper down in Oakland had a very good start to the season cooled off a little bit towards the end Tyler Lockett you know he was taken in as a punt return man kind of to start the season for the Seahawks but he had some major major catches uh, down the stretch and looks like a, a great playmaker for them going forward they were the four in mind for the offensive side of the ball had you anyone that you would add into that and out of those four who would you be selecting as the offensive rookie
0: I think no. I think it's a really solid group. Another really solid year for rookies. They seem to the learning curve doesn't seem to be quite as high as it used to be. The guys come in and just make huge impacts immediately. But I, you know, I'm based here in St. Louis, the former NFL city of St. Louis. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So but uh, I think I, I don't see how you cannot go with Todd Gurley. I mean, he was third in rushing despite only starting twelve games. He was only ninth in carries and. You know, he's just kind of a a man amongst boys. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry, where amongst running backs with 200 carries, only Doug Martin had a higher YPC there. So... Just a guy, you know, the, these days running backs almost never go in the first round, let alone the top ten, so yeah. he was going to have to be amazing to live up to that draft position, and I think he did so and more.
1: Yeah, and he done it as well with the fact that basically the offense had nothing in it. Nick Foles was terrible. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he done it with nothing, and in the mold of uh, Adrian Peterson almost. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, the Rams, no quarterback, one of the league's worst offensive lines, no receivers, no tight ends. I mean, defenses were free to just key in and tee off on him, and he just still had a monster year. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a very special player.
1: And before I get all the hit from the Minnesota Vikings fans coming in, uh, I am talking about previous editions of the Vikings with Christian Ponder involved, not this (laughs) season's edition. But uh, with that there, you mentioned uh, living in St. Louis. What has the reaction been to the Rams leaving town?
0: Well, I don't know. It's weird because it was such a slow-motion disaster that I feel like maybe it's not as raw as it could have been because people have been afraid that Stan Kroenke was going to move the team for five or six years. So it's not really like we were blindsided, but I think people are more – it's kind of like we – St. Louis wanted to remain an NFL City, obviously, but I think – Kind of more, almost like a "screw you" type thing at this point, where we tried to give this billionaire four hundred million dollars, he didn't want it. I mean, we probably could have given him a billion dollars, and he wouldn't have taken it. He was so dead set on moving, and people are obviously very. I mean, NFL is besides arguably the Premier League's, the you know the top sports league in the entire world. So. We feel diminished as a city losing our team, but definitely, uh, I guess, not defeated.
1: Yeah, it's funny because you know if you're looking at the Premier League, the the teams can't actually move because of the way they're set. They they're set into them towns basically, so or yeah. cities. So it is it is strange to see teams moving around. But uh, no, it's a, it's bl- a uniquely blow for the American
0: city. thing. Hmm. This like this un, un, unhinged capitalism. Just the, you know, you got Buy that. Yeah, the biggest league in the world, and the teams gonna like come and go as they want. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate.
1: Uh, onto the rookie side of the the def- uh, onto the defensive side of the rookie awards, and we have Marcus Peters of the Chiefs, and he just from start to finish. I'm gonna be interested if you can find anyone to beat him this season. Uh, Ronald Darby up with the Bills, and Leonard Williamson with the Jets. I uh, Thought Williamson had a very good season in spots, consistency, uh, like with Darby was his kind of issue. But I thought Peters from start to finish uh, was absolutely incredible for the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, that was going to be. I was going to say Marcus Peters was my choice too, and for that exact reason, just from week one through the end of the playoffs, he just, he, just from the get go, made an impact and just. Really solidified the back end of that. What ended up being a great defense there, and where they had the most questions was in the secondary, and you know, it just looked like a. Yeah, he was a little up and down. Yeah. He had some really, hits a few really bad games, but just on the whole, I mean, yeah, he was just very consistent performer. Played over a thousand snaps. I mean, just they did not, they didn't baby him at all, and yeah, he looks like he's going to be a star for years to come.
1: Yeah, like with rookies, you're obviously going to have those up and down moments, but I thought he had a lot of up moments. And uh, just thinking back, I think it was week two. Uh, Peyton Manning obviously hadn't started the season well, but one of his first plays was a, a pick six of Peyton Manning, so I'm sure yeah. that boosted his confidence a little bit coming into the league.
0: Yeah, so, yeah just like Yuma, very rarely does a rookie play a thousand snaps. Yeah. So that, this speaks to the Chiefs clearly thought he was ready for a huge role, and uh, he proved them right.
1: Uh, comeback player of the year, a few guys in here as well. We have another Chief in Eric Berry coming back, obviously, from his illness. We had Carson Palmer, he came back from the knee injury that he suffered last year. They were going so well last year up in his Injury, and he came back and had a, a very strong regular season campaign. will leave, as we mentioned, the playoffs out of that one, and then uh, obviously Adrian Peterson coming back from well, are we allowed to mention that anymore? But he came back from oh, yeah. he came back he from came not back playing from, last season.
0: He's the first person ever win comeback player of the year from being a bad father.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> So out of those yeah, you got
0: two three- heartwarming tales, the other two guys coming back from injuries, and then you have one guy just coming back from being a terrible
1: dad. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what way I would just lay that down as uh, <laughs> what he came back from. We had Philip Rivers a couple of years ago who just came back from playing absolutely terrible for two seasons, so you know, you can't... There's there's a lot of ways to win this award. It doesn't seem to be set in stone, but out of those, just for what he came back from and how quick he came back, uh, I'm going to edge towards Eric Berry. I think with the media and the way things are you know it's gonna be the feel good story award so i think he's gonna probably end up with it uh, on a national side
0: yeah i mean kidding aside it's i'd say it's probably just about a tie between eric berry and adrian peterson yeah, because yeah. i mean eric berry come coming back from a horrible illness but he didn't just come back he was an all pro i mean he just picked up he's better than he'd ever been before so i mean he'll probably win it and Really can't vote against that. But I mean, then you got Adrian Peterson, who spent a year you know, in street clothes and is over 30, which. You know, if you're a running back over 30, I mean, you might as well be dead at this point in the way the league is going. And he not only came back and was effective, he led the league in rushing and basically single-handedly carried his team to the playoffs. So I mean, Eric Berry's going to get it. Eric Berry deserves it. But Adrian Peterson, also a very deserving case.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, breakout player of the year, we have uh, Devontae Freeman of the Atlanta Falcons, who for the first kind of, you know, Eight weeks of the season was unbelievable. Then he did cool off a little bit. The the whole team cooled off, really. And uh, then the Gary Barnage playing down there in Cleveland. A sensational year. Him almost 30 and just has an absolute breakout season. And the other one maybe we've seen a breakout coming he had a big play last year in the super bowl i think some people might remember that that's malcolm butler of the patriots but when you look at uh how he done a lot of people in the offseason thought that with them losing revis that you know butler would be under a lot of pressure and he would be exposed i thought he had a very very good season this year at cornerback for the patriots
0: yeah again all three very worthy uh Devontae freeman i mean the guy just went absolutely nuts but yeah, he was he's still a young player and he was fairly hyped draft pick. I mean had a, a, a very you know, had a really really poor rookie year, but he wasn't like completely out of nowhere. Whereas like Gary Barnage, like you said, he turned thirty in September and he entered the season with like six hundred career receiving yards yeah. and posted over a thousand and in fantasy he finished as the tight end three. I mean, all this on a team you know that started three different quarterbacks and it was just in constant chaos so i think i think i'm going to give a you got to call gary barnage the breakout player of the year yeah right? i
1: think you have to just with what he done and uh, how he played and got himself that contract as well so i'm sure he's very happy with that but a big big uh, year for him in the browns and i don't think you know, we talk about breakout players, normally 23, 24. With a player of his age, uh, we usually yeah. don't see it so late. So it, uh, it's a good, good story as well. So I think it well-deserved for him.
0: I mean, that's a truly insane story to be <laughs> age 30 and yeah. to just start dominating out of nowhere. I mean, uh, he you know, it wasn't even just like he was out there, you know, big on Twitter around here, referring to tight ends as dad runners. And okay. he was not out there like a dad, like Jason Witten. I mean, he was, like, yeah. making big plays. And, yeah, just... Really, I mean that's the kind of thing without not to sound like a dad. I mean the Gary Barnage thing is kind of like why you watch sports for in, incredible stuff like that to happen. So
1: yeah, it's a bit like Pitt and getting back to the Super Bowl after being benched a couple of weeks ago. You know, if you write a movie and you have Gary Barnage at age thirty becoming one of the top five <laughs> tight ends in the NFL and getting a long term contract, you'd be yeah. watching it and thinking, "Oh, this year's this is." Hey, rubbish. he's the
0: American. Uh, he's the American Jamie Vardy. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how many Americans. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, we have one here now, and it's uh, the holy shit moment of the year, including the playoffs <laughs> for this one, because there was uh, a couple of uh, moments in the playoffs that really had to go into this. We have the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary one against Detroit. We have the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary two <laughs> against the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel the, yeah, the, the,
0: everything the, is sequels and reboots
1: now, yeah, I wonder if we have a trilogy we'll see next season when we come <laughs> back for it but uh, the Ravens blocked the, a field goal returned it for a walk-off touchdown against the Browns and one of the most heartbreaking losses I think in Browns history and there have been a lot of those heartbreaking losses and then you have uh, the end of the Cleveland the end of the Bengals versus Steelers playoff game and Odell Beckham losing control against the Carolina Panthers uh, earlier in the season so we have uh, a wide variety there that I come up with. It was hard coming up with the categ- or the, the award uh, participation in that one, but who do you think would go and get that one? Well,
0: yeah, this was one where I, I read through all your choices where I would see one and think, okay, that's it. Then I would see <laughs> the next one and be like, okay, that one's definitely it. And they're all worthy, but... I don't know if I've ever seen anything like the end of that Steelers Bengals game yeah. where yeah. you got Landry Jones throwing a back breaking interception. Then you got Jeremy Hill, like one play later, committing one of the worst fumbles in NFL history. And then you have this weird kind of like reverse poetic end of the game where you have two guys, in and Devontae's Burfict and Pac Man Jones, who are you know for years and years and years been viewed as like character concerns malcontents like guys you can't win with and you know all year they just had monster seasons kind of helped carry this defense to the playoffs and then in the worst possible moment their quote-unquote character concerns <laughs> come out and cost them the game i just thought it was like, a weird piece of anti-poetry there with right. them getting 30 yards of penalties on literally one play to set up the game winning field goal it's just. Really hard to make up, so I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Again. Yeah,
1: that, that was pretty bananas at the end, the way it all went down, and you know, uh, that after coming after that interception you mentioned with Burfick getting it, and just all the stuff that went down, that was absolutely crazy. I had actually completely forgotten about the Ravens uh, blocked field goal one. Um, <laughs> I actually had to Google to try and get some more suggestions for the list because I was just trying to jog my memory and I couldn't think. And that was one that came up that I had completely, completely forgotten about, and it's something that I don't think we'll see for a long, long time again being blocked at the end. But I'm going to go for the hometown decision. Here I'm a Packers fan, and uh, the one against Detroit, the Aaron Rodgers hail mary, the first one because we hadn't seen him doing it at that stage. I think we're going to have to go that way. Just been, but again, Odell Beckham losing it against the Panthers was uh, pretty insane as well. the The worst play of the year, and there's only been two. Categories in this. Well, maybe we'll add a third. You mentioned the the thirty yard penalty against the uh, Bengals. We'll add that one in as well. Thirty yard uh, play for the Steelers. That'll be one of the, the selections. The other one is the Colts fake punt against the Patriots. Still haven't figured that one out. And uh, the other one then is the Bengals two point conversion attempt against the Steelers in the playoffs. Which uh, you know you go back now. They lose that game by a point. You take your PAT after that touchdown, and uh, you, you'd be going to overtime. So pretty pretty bad decision and a, an absolutely terrible terrible play design, but I think there really is only one winner in this award.
0: Yeah, I, the Colts play stands alone where I don't even... That wasn't really so much a football play as... I always mispronounce this word. I don't know, but I can't remember <laughs> if it's nihilistic or nihilistic, but that was just basically... That was not a football play. That was like a nihilistic de- death wish there. Like, that was not... I just... I, I don't know what the end game with that play was supposed to be, and the Patriots, you know, were kind of standing around like, yeah, is this actually happening? <laughs> and... They snapped the ball like, okay, this is happening, and we'll just immediately blow this play up. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't really – that was one of those things that was so unbelievable. I'm not even really sure what you're supposed to say about it. So I'll just leave it.
1: Uh, it reminded me of, uh, you know, if you're having one of those dreams and you're lying there and you actually can't move, you're trying to get to something, but you can't move. It was as <laughs> if, like, Chuck Pagano needed to take a timeout or the players needed to just stop what they were doing and they just couldn't. Yeah, dude, because, yeah. like,
0: a lot of times those really weird plays that happens, kind of like the cameraman like isn't ready and then, yeah. like, they end up missing it. And with that play, the cameraman was like, zoomed in on it. like the the whole play like developed in slow motion everyone's kind of like uh what's, what's going on here and then we had like 3 or 4 seconds to digest it before it happened and then it happened exactly as you would expect it to happen so yeah it was a very special moment
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see in the next Madden game when it comes out if they put in a glitch for uh, that play <laughs> but um next up uh, pass catcher of the year Uh, this one i put it pass catcher because i wanted the the tight ends included too and really there is only one tight end to include in this category and it is gronkowski we have uh, him in there antonio brown julio jones and one that i think might surprise a lot of people but i think that he had to be in this argument this season and that is brandon marshall for the jets i just thought him getting traded over there this year i thought he had a tremendous season and was a huge part of the success that they had but i don't know if you'd agree with him being in the selection process
0: No, I mean, Brandon Marshall is about as... A lot of these guys kind of had peaks and valleys this year, whereas Brandon Marshall... Brandon Marshall is usually a peaks and valleys player, but he was so consistent all year. So I think he he deserves to be in the company here, but I think I have to say Antonio Brown, who I I might have the stat wrong, but I'm pretty sure he had the second most catches and the second most yards in NFL history this year i might have butchered that stat there
1: but i'm not sure but i do know that basically over the last three years every receiving record has gone into his name whether it be yeah, receptions he, or targets he has uh, dominated you know a player we often hear it he's not your uh, average you know six foot plus wide receiver and uh, he's just been sensational him and you know he had a down part when uh, ben roethlisberger was out but that's to be expected but his connection with ben is uh, absolutely amazing and yeah, just what he continues he- to do
0: yeah, the way he kind of, he's just so, like, every time I, he catches a pass, it's, a lot of times it looks like he's wide open because he's so good at creating his own space. And, yeah, he's just a special, unique player.
1: Uh, Julio started the season very, very fast. And then, you know, the whole team was going good and they slowed down. We have another category coming up in a minute, so we might talk about bit more about that then. Gronk <laughs> as well, like, you know, you can't can't say too much wrong about Gronk. Antonio Brown again, just going back. I think, I can't remember which game it was. Was it the game against the uh, Denver Broncos a couple of weeks back? There was a game that he had three touchdowns. One of them was a return, a punt return, and he ran into the goalpost behind <laughs> after he got into yes. the end zone. Um, have you ever seen a celebration quite like that? No, and I'm. Maybe that's a celebration I, that of the. That
0: honestly looks like an easy way to ensure that you'll never have children. I really <laughs> not quite sure what the thought process was there, but I. I've never seen anything like that, and I certainly hope I've never seen anything like that
1: again. Yeah, let's Um, hope he had had his cup in that time. And uh, next up, Defensive Player of the Year, we have J.J. Watt, Josh Norman, Tyron Matthew, and Aaron Donald off the Rams. Um, I think Donald at the start of the season was playing really, really good football. The team, again, slowed down, so part of the success is going to go away from that. Uh, I think it's really down to the other three guys, but I thought I'd give him an honourable mention there.
0: No, yeah, it's, you know, I... I'm not going to go against J.J. Watt, where it's kind of almost like Adrian Peterson in a way, where usually if you got a player carrying a team, like, not, you know, it's nothing's ever single-handed in the NFL, but a lot of times if a team is getting carried to the playoffs by, like, the sheer will of one player's dominance, it's a quarterback, but in the Texans' instance, I, instance, I think, really, J.J. Watt almost single-handedly carried them to the playoffs, and granted, they got absolutely destroyed, but he was playing hurt, and been a really really long time maybe never since we've seen a pass rusher like jj watt and i think he's just without peer right now on the defensive side of the ball and i think he definitely deserves the award again this year
1: yeah i think what we're seeing from jj watt is sensational um it's his third season in a row with 15 or more sacks and this if he wins it this year will be his third time in four years winning this award so he's just been amazingly consistent since he's come into the league and at the moment uh well i don't think in the last you know 10 years we definitely i don't think we've seen a player anywhere near his caliber just of consistency and of dominance so i think uh, it's definitely going to go yeah. his way
0: Oh, i so I think the the most recent comparison for him is probably reggie white yeah. and maybe lawrence taylor just he's like a that's one that's how step- good he is yeah yeah, he's like a
1: once-every-25-year type talent. Yep, and uh, next up, Coach of the Year, Ron Rivera, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, Coach Zimmer with the Minnesota Vikings, and Jay Gruden. I think if you're looking at uh, you know, the Vikings winning the division, you have Gruden taking that team from where I thought he was going to get sacked Uh, when they got to their bye week, they won against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before that saved himself and then got them to the playoffs. An incredible run for them. Ron Rivera, just over the last two seasons, has been sensational with that team. Andy Reid going from one and five to the playoffs and then Bruce Arians, but like Ron Rivera, has been very consistent over the last two years. So taking the playoffs out of this, um, where are you rolling with that award?
0: Yeah, I mean, all five, very worthy. Uh, It's really hard to make a choice, but I'll probably say Bruce Arians just because he's implemented his vision so perfectly on offense where they they kind of ride one back and they have a lot of receiving threats they take a lot of deep shots I and mean, they just yeah you know, ended poorly for them but just such a fun offense to watch and then they have a defense that is constantly overachieves they just lost their amazing defensive coordinator last year and but didn't really miss a beat this year even though it didn't have much pass rushing heat and they had a lot of talent in the secondary, but not a whole lot of talent in the front seven. But just still so good, and all, very few teams have taken on the identity of their coach the way the Cardinals have taken on the identity of Bruce Arians. And all three years there, I mean, they've gotten better under him than they were the year before. And I think I think he, he'll probably win the award. And I think he oh he probably won't because he's won it so many times already. People are probably tired of voting for him. <laughs> I, I I think he was the coach of the year this year.
1: Yeah, he had a great year and. Just to go against you, I'm going to go with uh, Ron Rivera. I think all the stuff you said about Bruce Arians is very true. If you had picked Ron Rivera, I probably would have said the same yeah. stuff about Bruce Arians. They're both really up there. And, you know, over the last, uh, basically. Uh, 25 games. They have lost one game uh, in that span. They have been absolutely amazing uh, all the way through. They're now getting to the Super Bowl. I know we said we weren't taking the playoffs, into it? But he's just uh, this team is playing. You talked about identity. There's no other team in the league playing this loose. They remind me very much of the Seahawks when they went in and destroyed the Broncos oh, yeah. two years ago. They're just they're loose. They're relaxed. They're playing how they want to play. Good defense. And you know we talk about this offense and how much they run the ball, but there is a lot of big plays in it too. Whether it be through the run game or whether it be through the pass game. I mean, you look at who their pass and to the players that have been developed in this system um it's just uh, a great great year and i think he's done a tremendous job along with the rest of his coaching staff obviously to bring this team to where they are now so uh, two very uh, definite you know if either of those guys won the award i've absolutely no issue with the two great seasons from them and as you mentioned arians has won it twice already over the last couple of years so maybe that just gives ron rivera a little bit of an edge maybe when the voting's done yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes um Next up, most disappointing season, and I did mention the the punt uh, attempt for the Colts, so I'll throw them into this category. The Ravens, the one thing we mentioned to the Ravens, they did win that game against the Browns, but just with all the injuries this season, I picked them to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl prior to the season, so it's been disappointing from that perspective, but um, they just had so many injuries, so beat up, but I think I'm going to put them in there, and the Falcons too started the season 5-0 and and really did fall away after that, uh, maybe proved how good of a team they really are at the end of the season by uh, how the, how it went. Some teams, you know, can, you can jump out to that fast start and you can jump out to a slow start. It's how you end up at the end of the year that really proves proves how good the team is, and they just proved to not be all that good. Um, out of those three teams, which way are you going?
0: I think it has to be the Colts. I mean, the Ravens, like you said, was kind of more an injury thing more than anything else, and the Falcons looked a lot worse than it was because they got off that 5-0 and start, but I mean, they ended up, I think, where most people expected them. Yeah. I think most people viewed them as kind of a 6-8 to eight win team, but you know, the Colts were got the best young player in the league in Andrew Luck and were a game away from the Super Bowl last year and then spent all this money this offseason took yet another wide receiver it kind of looked like they were trying to make their own greatest show on turf and just completely imploded and when you, it's to waste a year of Andrew Luck's prime like that is just very very unfortunate and really you know who knows how good they're going to be next year cuz They've they kind of shown that you can't you can't build the perfect team through free agency, but that's kind of their only recourse this year. Is, they they you only have so many draft picks, and yeah. they have so many holes. So what are they going to do? Are They going to spend two hundred million dollars in free agency again, or whatever? Uh, I'm very surprised too. They didn't shake it up there and fire Ryan Grigson. Yeah, I was, was going to say that. Yeah, so I think you'd have to go with the Colts as the most disappointing team in the season.
1: Yeah, and being the most disappointing team, as you mentioned, I was shocked that both of the GM, Ryan Gregson, and uh, Chuck Pagano both got extensions. I was absolutely shocked when that decision was made, uh, You know, though it had been rumors that they weren't getting on very well. And the way the team has just been developed, You know, Gregson did uh, draft Andrew Luck. I think anyone could have drafted Andrew Luck with the way yeah. he was coming out. So. Uh,
0: you and I drafted Andrew Luck yeah. and so, so uh, these monkeys. He, a cigarette could
1: have drafted Andrew Luck so. yeah so he's been kind of. I think that there has really helped him along quite immensely <laughs> and um, just the Falcons on the other hand they were the one team out of the tree whose season wasn't derailed by injury so they're in as well but I think I have to agree with the Colts you mentioned Andrew Luck obviously uh, a year out of his Uh, great career so far Uh, next up is the money maker of the year i only have two selections in this they're both uh who players who were in the free agent year who will be free agents now and uh, are expecting to get paid money Uh, i've put down josh norman because he was one of the selections we had for the defensive side of the defensive player of the year and the other one is Kirk cousins who at the start of the season i was probably his worst fan in the world uh, didn't think that we were ever <laughs> going to see anything from kirk but he uh, had a tremendous season to finish off and um, both of those guys are definitely taking some money to the bank
0: yeah I, I, for moneymaker i guess i'll go josh norman just because i think he's more likely to get a long-term deal than yeah, Kirk exactly. cousins who kirk's basically guaranteed to get the franchise tag and Josh Norman kind of off the top of my head I can't remember who else what other franchise tag candidates the Panthers have but I feel like he's more likely to get locked up for the long term this offseason where I think the Redskins you know they've professed to have faith in Cousins all this time but I think maybe probably deep down they're kind of more like everyone else where they really didn't know what to expect from Kirk Cousins and I think they'll probably franchise tag him and make him prove it one more year and then kind of worry about a long term deal next year so yeah. yeah I'll say Josh Norman who will get a long term deal yeah
1: I definitely agree with that analysis because I think Cousins you've got it there for uh, you know a kind of 12 game stretch you want to know if you can get it more consistently long term but as a player who you know before the season wasn't sure where his uh, career was going to lie yeah. uh, to a player <laughs> who's definitely getting uh, you know over 10 million dollars I'd imagine this coming season um, a definite step forward next up mvp and we've left us to last we have cam newton tom brady and carson palmer um again mentioning non-playoffs so that still gives carson palmer a shout out this one <laughs> but uh i'm gonna have to go cam at the kind of 12 week point it was neck and neck between all three then i thought palmer started to drop off a little bit and brady was starting to step up but newton uh, has been so consistent and just is rolling with this team at the moment
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be Cam, and I feel like the the case against Cam has nothing to do with Cam, but the people who try to argue it's not Cam is so well, look how many talented teammates he has, but he got 45 touchdowns, just a big play machine, and people all year talked about how Tom Brady's weapons were kind of banged up and hurt and how he only had Gronk and his offensive lines hurt. But Cam Newton is throwing to guys, you know, a lot of people. Never even heard and Ted Jeff,
1: yeah, yes.
0: He's throwing to a 30-year-old, a 30-year-old like, re- retreat deep threat and Ted <laughs> is number one receiver. And you got guys like Corey Brown. just like the stuff, what he did, I mean, the lemonade he made out of these lemons and offense is just shocking. And, this, I i haven't spent so long since I've seen someone throw the ball like he does just throwing lasers yeah. and yeah I think he's got to be the MVP
1: yeah I agree too um, you mentioned throwing the ball it definitely has improved the last two seasons but he throws it in a way you know there's really no way that a defensive back can actually make a catch like he can't it's very he got intercepted by Peterson but it was a very wayward throw but when he's throwing a short pass it's, unless it's tipped and then caught by a second person it's very hard for them to be intercepted just with the, the pace he puts on them but he, he's starting to throw a few touch passes and we've seen one of those in the playoffs as well and it was a wide pass to the left and uh, just over the defenders outright, outstretched hand so he has improved a lot in that category so that's all the uh awards that we came up with to do, but uh I just wanna <laughs> obviously get into the deep analysis now of uh your score prediction for the Pro Bowl.
0: <laughs> oh god.
1: Uh eighty two to seventy five.
0: <laughs> I'm say, yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, 56 to 44. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I can't remember who the celebrity captains are this year, so uh, I'll I just say 50, that up. yeah, I'll say 56 44 AFC, even though they don't do AFC NFC anymore. That's my shocking prediction for the Pro Bowl. Um, is
1: that- <laughs> and obviously, the the main game coming up is the following week, the Super Bowl. Um, we'll just do a quick little bit on that there. The uh, obviously the Broncos and the Panthers. Since the game has finished uh, on Sunday, and then we've been looking, I've been starting to look a little bit. Into the matchups, I'm. I was very confident to start that the Panthers were going to run away with this, but uh, the Broncos, with looking at it, are starting to give me a little bit of uh, pause for thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick the Panthers, but the Broncos' defense most of the year you know, was clearly the best defense in the league, and then they kind of closed the season on a kind of a quiet note. Yeah, Down the stretch, yeah. they weren't dominating the way they did the first three fourths of the season. And then against the Steelers, I mean kind of – the Broncos are very lucky to win that game. But the defense that showed up against the Patriots shows up against the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers are definitely not going to have their third straight blowout. But just with the way that Broncos' offense is playing, I just don't – see how they can beat i mean carolina is hitting on all cylinders like few teams in recent memory and i i just it'd be a great story if peyton manning wins but it's probably going to be his final start but i i just do not see how the broncos beat the panthers
1: yeah uh, you've kind of talked me back around to it again but i just some of the (laughs) matchups i think over the next week and a half we'll hear a lot of talk and i think uh, it might be actually good for the panthers because it might quieten them down just a little bit uh you know to get them um reset and ready to go because the worst thing that can happen, we talked about it in the recap show earlier in the week, was that you come in too confident and then uh, you're in a lot of trouble early on because you kind of overlook the opposition. But I don't think that's going to happen with the Panthers because none of these players have been there before. Sometimes you get that with a team that's done it multiple times. But uh, both of us probably going to be ending up siding with the Panthers come game day. Um, it's been a lot of fun having you in the show, Pat. Uh, obviously, the listeners can follow you on Twitter at RotoPat that is R-O-T-O-P-A-T and uh, anything else that you want to uh, give a shout out and plug while you are on.
0: Um. Well, I've been mean, I I've been pretty lazy since the end of the regular <laughs> season, so I don't have any writing to plug yet. But every off season now, I do uh, my main like February type articles or I rank the coaches and I rank the GMs. So I would say be on the lookout for that. But no basically, uh, when you ask me what I need to plug, the first thought that comes to my head is I need to get back to work. So <laughs> I, I gotta gotta Sorry get back. Sorry putting and- that on you. Yeah, no, I've been kind of lazing about since the end of the regular season, but it, it, at Roto World, January is kind of like our summer vacation. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. take a chill pill month. But no, yeah, I'm getting back to work here soon, and probably in the next two or three weeks, I'm gonna drop my coach rankings. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna plug.
1: Okay, and uh, obviously, I mentioned again the Twitter handle at RotoPad. It's been uh, it's been great having you on. Hopefully, we can do it again in the off season.
0: Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you.
1: This is Greg Rosenthal, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast. So that was Pat Doherty. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned there a few times, at RotoPat. Uh, well worth a following. Uh, very nice guy. Very informative, as you've heard in some great articles he has coming on. He said a little bit quieter now uh, for the month of January, but he'll be picking it up, and uh, you'll want to be reading the content that he puts out. Always good stuff from him. Talked to you, Pat, a little bit after we finished up recording. I had mentioned to him that I was at the tennis last week, seeing Andy Murray win on Saturday night. Murray now into the semi-finals. He is playing on Friday in Melbourne. I'm recording this on Thursday. I am off work today, and after work yesterday, I was very, very tempted to go to the tennis this evening, which has Roger Federer playing against Novak Djokovic. Tickets were available when I first looked, and then when I actually decided that, yeah, I think I will go, The tickets were sold out. So uh, you sleep in and you definitely lose. You snooze, you lose. That is actually the saying I was looking for. Uh, I don't think there is a sleep in uh, you lose saying. So you snooze, you lose. And uh, the tickets were expensive. They were $270. But I was thinking... Oh, I'll just uh, I'll head along and it's uh, going to be a great event. But I missed out and uh, you live and uh, you learn. So the next time I think I'll pounce a little bit quicker. But the Pro Bowl coming up this weekend. I'm sure you're all very excited about that as we joked a few times. But probably watch uh, some of the highlights and maybe some unique plays. But I'll not be staying up for that one. I'll be uh, taking this week off from watching the games and uh, getting ready for the big one next week, which is the Super Bowl. I mentioned earlier in the show we're hoping to have some former uh, Super Bowl winners on the show over over the next two shows we'll be doing two preview shows next week rather than, you know, we usually recap and then preview, we'll not be recapping the Pro Bowl um, as you can have guessed by the tone of the show and uh, talking strictly about looking forward to the Super Bowl between the Denver Broncos and the Panthers and I am looking forward to those guests that we have in the pipeline, so do come back, make sure you're subscribed, get the show instantly once it goes live and until then, have a good one
0: Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.